Well, good morning, everybody. Um, my name's Ed, and uh, as John Spareboom calls me, Sweaty Eddie, um, it's because I think that that is my spiritual gift. I, I, uh, I can sweat up here actually better than any of the other speakers, and so um, I thank the Lord for that. And that's why I, I, I brought my fan. Um, so I'm, I travel with my own fans. And um, Mars and I have, uh, we haven't been here since May. Um, we've been traveling across the country. Uh, the Billy Graham Association uh, has asked us or asked us to, to speak to pastors across the country on me- mental and emotional health because pastors are dropping like flies um, all over the country through PTSD, depression, resignations are off the charts. And so they, they asked us to come in and we did conferences starting in Nova Scotia and came right across the country. And so um, in that way, I'm sick of hearing my voice, but um, it's been really quite remarkable to see the need that's out there and the opportunity to serve. And so any way you get a chance to love your pastors, uh, just take a moment and love them. Uh, it's, it's been a challenging uh, time through COVID. But today, I want to look at the extraordinary life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. And his life plays out roughly in four acts. In the first act, he, he has a dream. He dreams a dream. In the second act, he, he, he gets deconstructed in the area of his character, in the, in the area of his identity, in the area of his, um, his worldview. Act three is he is reconstructed in those areas. And, and then act four is the fulfillment of a dream that was given to him at a time when there was no way possible for him to steward the dream. Okay? And um, Jeremiah, God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. And in the very same way, before Joseph was even conceived, God had a dream for Joseph. God had a purpose for him. There was a calling on his life. Before he was even born, he was set aside for a princely calling, a deliverer calling, the calling of a redeemer. And when he was a teenager, when he was a teenager, he got a glimpse of that calling. He got just a small glimpse. He had two dreams. And in the dreams, he, he, he saw himself. And, and he didn't understand the dreams. And as is true with most spiritual visions and dreams, we're not given timetables or context. Often we just see something and we just have to, to trust that God's going to play it out in our lives. But in order to fulfill the calling on his life, he needed some things. He, first of all, he, he, he needed some identity transformation, but he also needed some character development. And character development um, is one of those things that's a lot like a home renovation. For your character to get developed, often it gets messy before it gets clean again. Um, there is a, 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 a deconstruction that is often painful. We don't like that. 
Then there's the reconstruction. There's the mess. And then it's restored to, to, to more glory or to look much better than it was before you even began. And, um, and so uh, I want to look at the story in, in Genesis chapter 37. The Bible says, now Israel, and we're talking about Jacob, okay? He had 12 sons. He had 12 sons. And this is, it's an incredibly dysfunctional family. Now, now, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Israel also loved Joseph's mother more than any of his other wives. Could you imagine that kitchen? Like, I'm thinking, what a mess. Uh, could you imagine those boys? Like, the, what, the, 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 the amount of tension in that house must have been amazing. Um, loved Joseph's mother more than his other wives because he had been born to him in his old age. He made a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain in a field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood up while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brother said, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. Then he said, I had another dream. And he told his brothers, listen, I, I, I had another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars, the 11 suns, right, um, were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, and his father kept the matter in mind. So Joseph's a spoiled kid, Okay. He's spoiled, apparently he's good looking, um, but by the time he's a teenager, he's entitled, he's spoiled, and he's got everything going for him, all the while his brothers absolutely hate him. And then his father goes, and he, and he, and he makes a statement, and he gives Joseph the nicest coat ever, okay? The coat of many colors. He gives Joseph this coat, and Joseph, he just knows how to press his brother's buttons. Isn't that true for most of our kids? Man, when they are at it, they are at it. And he's wearing that coat. He goes to bed in that coat. He wears that coat every chance he can just because it bugs them. It reminds them that they are second class. It reminds them that he's loved the most. And with all that tension in the home, he has these dreams, and now he has the audacity. He has the, the, the uh, what's the word, the, the arrogance to share, to share this dream with his brothers. Uh, you're, you're bowing to me, right? And the Bible says they go from hating him to hating him even more to, like, seriously hating him to hating him the most. They hate him. That's pretty, that's pretty clear. The other thing about this dream is it not only um, offensive to the brothers, but it's culturally subversive. This ancient society was a hierarchical culture. 
And in it, the younger always serve the older. Always, always. This is an iron law for the day. The, 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 the children always serve the parents. The younger always, and they always bowed down to the older. The older never bowed down to the younger. Because it was out of honor and respect. The older son, the oldest son, would inherit the lion's share of the estate and then look after everybody else. And so there was this honor given to the older. And so Joseph's dream is not only offensive to his family, but it's offensive to the culture that they lived in. So that brings us to Act 2. Joseph's father, Jacob, or Israel, he was so wealthy in cattle and in donkeys and in camels and, in, and, 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 um, and goats that they, 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 they had to travel long distances to graze this massive herds that he owned. And one day he, he, he sent um, his sons out and they were out in an area. He sent them out to this place called Shechem. And they'd been gone for quite some time. And so he decides to send Joseph, his favorite son, to check in on his brothers. Somewhere along the way, the brothers decided to take a left at Shechem and go to Dothan. And so jo Joseph's looking for them at Shechem and he, and he meets a complete stranger. And the stranger says to him, actually, I heard them talking. They decided to go to Dothan. And so Joseph heads to Dothan. And the Bible tells us that when the brothers saw him coming, their, 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 out of their seething hatred, they decided this is our opportunity to get rid of him. This is our moment. And the reason they could see him coming from such a far distance is because he's wearing that stupid coat that they hated so much. And they decide, let's kill him. But the oldest brother, his name was Reuben. Reuben said, we can't do that. That'll break our father's heart. We're not going to kill him. We're not, and out of honor to the older brother, they decide not to kill him. But they, they gotta, they gotta kind of hold on to him for a little while. So they strip him butt naked and they throw him into an empty well. And we don't know how much time went by, but there does come a time when these Midianite traders come through this incredibly desolate place. And Reuben's not there. And so the brothers take their moment and they sell Joseph to these Midianite traders. So this is what his deconstruction kind of looks like. He goes from being the favorite son to being kidnapped by his brothers. He goes from being kidnapped by his brothers to sold as a slave without any status or rights by the Midianites. But then the Midianites sell him as a slave again to the Egyptians, to the house of Potiphar, as a slave with no rights or no status. And over the course of the next 13 years, his pride and his sense of entitlement is severely deconstructed, severely downsized. Let me, let me ask you this. Is there an area in your life right now that's being pulled apart? An area of your life, your relationships, that, that, that is being strained at this moment, that's being deconstructed at this moment, that's being sifted and being tried and you feel like it's coming apart? Well, I have good news for you. In that area of your life, you're being renovated. You're being renovated. And there's always reconstruction 
after deconstruction. You're being renovated. You're being renovated for something that you may or may not even know God is preparing you for. You're being renovated for more fullness in your life of God's presence and his purposes. You're being renovated to steward the dreams that he put in your heart. How many of us in this place have dreams of doing something with our lives and they're big dreams and they're fantastic dreams and they're, they're pulsating with life inside of us. But do you know often you get the dream, in fact, almost always you get the dream before you have the ability to steward the dream. And so God takes us through a process of building, then reconstructing, deconstructing us in other areas, reconstructing, fulfilling the dream. And that's what Joseph was going through. And with all the deconstruction going on in his life, the Bible says this about Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. And this is where now his life starts being reconstructed. As I said, he was sold to the Midianites as a slave. And the Midianites sold him to a man by the name of Potiphar in Egypt, a very wealthy man. And the Bible says that when Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that God gave Joseph success, Potiphar entrusted everything he owned to Joseph's care. Over a 10-year period, while Joseph was serving Potter, 10 years, he learned honor, he learned faithfulness, he learned leadership, he learned administration, and he had grown to the place where now he was overseeing an entire estate. As a spoiled teenager, he couldn't oversee himself, but now God had made room for him to oversee an entire estate. And he's starting to feel pretty good. Life is leveling out. Maybe this isn't so bad, you know? I'm I'm thinking we're on our way up. And then came Mrs. Potiphar. And Mrs. Potiphar, she had eyes for Joseph. He he was her new pool boy, okay? And she, she, she tried to seduce him. But he had honor and he would not disrespect his master. And so she goes for him and he runs away and leaves his clothes, his robe in her hand. And she's embarrassed and she's mad. She's got a lot going on inside of her. And so she says to her husband, he tried to rape me. He, he tried to rape me. And the Bible tells us that Joseph is sent to the king's prison the king's prison. Let me tell you what. When you surrender to God's renovation process in your life, there's an incredible promise here that he will take everything that was meant for evil concerning you and he will turn it into a blessing for your life. He'll take everything that, that is meant for evil for you. What, 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 what the brothers meant for, for evil, God turned that into a, in, into a great blessing. And it actually it came to be a very critical part of Joseph getting to Egypt and fulfilling the dream. 
And what Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar meant for evil, God turned it into a blessing for him. It's funny because in the circumstances of his life, he has seriously gone backwards. Like in the natural, he, he, he you know, he, it was not going, he went from being the favored son to the pit of hopelessness, to a slave, to, to, to a sex offender, and now back into another hole. In the natural, he, he's like really off the beaten path. But in God's agenda, he's one small step away from where the father wanted him. He's one small step from Pharaoh. It just took a long time to get into that step. And then it happened without notice. It was 20 years from the time Joseph was taken captive by his brothers, thrown into a hole, to the day that he was invited to stand before Pharaoh. See, because Joseph had this ability to interpret other people's dreams. He couldn't interpret his own. It wasn't until it was done that he could interpret his own. But he could interpret people's dreams. And one day, Pharaoh had a dream. And then he had another dream, and he could not. He, nobody could tell him the meaning of the dream. But then he found out that Joseph could do this. And so the Bible tells us that he invites Joseph to stand before him. I want you to see something. By this time in Joseph's life, he's been in God's school of preparation. His personality was altered. His spirit was broken. His pride was humbled. But his abilities were honed and his character was strong. And he was ready. He was ready. And this leads us to act four, the fulfillment of the dream. The Bible tells us, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, and there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace. And all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater. It's interesting to me that in this entire narrative, if you read it, God is not mentioned once. And I wonder if the, the author is being really intentional there. Because it appears that God is absent in this entire story. And while God seems absent on the surface, we see that God is managing, managing down to the smallest detail absolutely everything that is happening. And if that's true for Joseph, then that's true for you. And that's true for me. We, he, even when we can't see him, he's working. Even when we can't feel him, he's working. Some of those relationships that are being stressed, stretched in tension, that, that you, you can blame the other person all day, and that's not going to help you one little bit. Or you can surrender and say, Father, teach me. What do you want me to learn in this? And I think that humility is probably one of the biggest characters that, 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 that a, a really successful leader needs to have. Character, humility, grace. Had any one of these random things not happened, do you realize when the famine finally hit, it was seven years of absolute famine, that tens of thousands of Egyptians would have died. Hebrews would have died. 
It's entirely possible that the, that the messianic bloodline would have perished as well. There was so much at stake here, and yet God was, to the smallest detail, looking after everything. God's wise and redeeming love is completely compatible with difficult and painful things that happen in our lives. I mean, Joseph, he's, he, he, you know, they, they, they physically, they wanted to hurt him. They stick him in a hole, butt naked. And the Bible says that he cried out to his brothers and he cried out to the darkness and he cried out to God and nobody was there, nobody. I don't think God created the pride or the evil or the cruelty in Joseph's story, but he arranges it, he overwhelms it, he overrules it. And in this passage, all of the evil in this passage, eventually it destroys itself. That's incredible. Maybe that's what the scriptures say in Romans 8, 28, when it says, all things work together for good to those who love him, called according to his purposes. What was meant for evil for us, God will use it to help renovate us and then restore us if you'll stay the course. I'm going to invite the band to, to come on up. Before, I think it's also important that before you were born, there was a calling uh, that God had for your life before you were even born. There was a purpose. And then he gave you this, this, this incredibly precise personality, this, this, this way about you. He gave you quirks and ticks, and he made you the way you are. But until the dream is fulfilled in your life, it's stupid. Think about it. In, 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 in the pit, in the dark, and in the cold, it was a stupid dream. The dream didn't matter. Like, it didn't make any sense. Um, running again without his clothes because Potter, Miss Potiphar's got him, the dream didn't make any sense. In prison, the dream didn't make any sense. And I'll tell you what, when you're looking at the circumstances of your life in the present moment of your life, your dream doesn't make any sense either. But that's why we set our eyes on things that are not seen rather than things that are seen. We set our eyes on the, on the things that he's called us to as we understand them. But if you keep your heart right, if you keep your feet right, Keep moving towards him. I don't think God will let anything kill the dream, the calling that he's put on your life. There is always a reconstruction after deconstruction, and there is always the fulfillment after the reconstruction. I think that this doesn't always happen in one big step. I think there's multiple layers of this going on in our lives at any given time. And I think we hold ultimately to the promise that says that he will complete the work that he began in us. Let me pray for us. Father, today... We've all got areas of tension in our lives. We all do. We've all got areas that are being pulled apart and, and it's painful and it's, it's causing us discomfort and grief. And 
Father, in those areas, we surrender to you and we say, God, you know, if you can teach me something in this moment and this tension, then I'm open to it. Help me to learn, help me to see what I can't see. And Father, I just pray that even as we're in this place, that the dreams that you've put in people's lives and their hearts, we kind of start to pop, start to come to the surface, start to come to their consciousness. And by faith, I love what Noah said about singing a song over and over and over. And sometimes we declare things by faith. We declare them by faith and we declare them by faith again and again and again because we know what God's put in our hearts until we're walking in the fulfillment of those things. In Jesus' name.